as they're passing that around, I do have, uh, I'm going to just reiterate two announcements. Thank you. God is good. You know, uh, I was sitting here, second service in worship, like, okay, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to be able to redo that. <laughs> like it was me, because it really wasn't, it was him, right? I mean, I was like, oh, man, God, maybe I could just get up there. And this is how my mind works, because first I'm like, I, I have a weird sense of humor. Once you get to know me, I think I'm funny, but I'm like, maybe we can Millie Vanilli it, Lord. Like, I'll just get up there, and we could just record the first one. Because <laughs> I was really struggling. Like, sometimes when the Lord gives you a word and you release it, it's like you don't know if you can release it again. And it was, it was one, of the, one of those things. And then God confirmed that this word is for the whole body, not just first service people. <laughs> when Bobby got up and spoke, I don't know if that touched any of you guys, but that was like, er, right to me. I needed to hear that, Bobby, so thank you. And then Steve coming up and, and just stirring our hearts, friends, because God wants to do a good work in us. You know, it's really a privilege and an honor for me to be able to get up here and share the word of the Lord with you. I do not take that lightly. And so that's why sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I'm moving with the spirit, not just getting up and, and talking, Okay. And so it's very important as, as the Spirit of God moves in our hearts for us to have ears to hear what he's saying. And so let's pray. I'm going to pray that God will give me the strength to release it. And I also want us to pray that we would have hearts that would receive it, that we would have ears that would hear. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people in this sanctuary today, your sons and your daughters. God, I think you have a word for them, Lord God, and not just a word to make them um, get big in you, Lord God, but a word that they can move in your spirit, a word that they can have the strength to be obedient, a word that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. God, I pray that you would move in our service today through the preaching of your word. God, that your word would not return back void. It would not return back empty, Lord God. I pray that it would accomplish what it sets out to do, Lord God. God, I pray that you would um, penetrate our very heart and mind and, and separate the flesh, Lord God, from the spirit man, Lord, that our spirit man would be strengthened and, God, that our flesh would decrease. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are good. You are faithful, Lord Jesus. You do not give up on us, Lord. When we fall and we mess up, God, you're there to lift us up from the miry pit. You're there to put our feet again on you, Lord God, that we could walk and move and have our being in you, Christ. And God, I pray that you would help us do that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So we're, start, we're starting a new sermon series today. It's called Wanting More. And Oftentimes, the Lord will give us a sermon series months ahead of time, but we kind of did not know exactly what we were going to do with, with where the Lord was leading us. We knew uh, that the word that we just got done preaching the last four weeks on identity, that was, that was prophetic. It was exactly what God wanted us to do. And we don't want to just preach, you know, without it being exactly what God wants us to do. And so we were going back and forth, and we have some different ideas. And I'm like, God, speak to us. And then there's um, been a longing in my heart, and it's kind of just who I am. I've always kind of looking forward to the next thing, looking forward to the more in life. And there's a foundational scripture that the Lord put on my heart 
Psalms 42, 7. It says, deep calls to deep in the war of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. My prayer for the house of God today is that his spirit would just sweep us over, that his spirit would just take over, that we would just walk in his spirit. And that is a process, friends. It takes time. And so in these next several weeks, we're going to learn from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet, and he was a prophet in a really difficult time in Israel's history. He was a prophet during the time that the Babylonians and, and came and, and uh, basically conquered their land. And he was in the second group of people right after Daniel that was taking, taken into captivity uh, out of his homeland. And so he was exiled from Israel, and it is in a this new land and God called him in that land as a prophet of God. And to me, that just speaks to us right now too, because even in difficult times, God can call us. Sometimes we think it's only in in the mountaintops that we hear God, but God speaks uh, oftentimes in the valleys and the desert times and the times that we just really, really need him. And so that's what God did in Ezekiel and, and Ezekiel, even though he was prophesying and speaking to a stubborn people, a rebellious people, the Lord called them, people that wouldn't even necessarily, they would hear, but they wouldn't obey. You know, like we can hear without really listening. You know what I'm saying? And that's what they did. We, we heard, they heard the word that Ezekiel spoke, but they didn't listen. They didn't obey the word of God. And so even through that, though, and even though Ezekiel, one of his main, the main point in the whole book of Ezekiel is the sovereignty of God. Sometimes we just don't understand why things are the way things are. And, but yet God is sovereign. God is God. His ways are above our ways. And so Ezekiel, that was like his main theme, the sovereignty of God. And even though he prophesied the destruction of, of, of Jerusalem and, and all this things that was going on, he got to a place that he did not lose hope. He was a true visionary. A visionary is a person who sees past their circumstances and looks to the future of what God has. God wants to raise up in this place visionaries. This is the reason why we named our church Vision Ministries, because a people without vision perish. God wants us to be able to see beyond our circumstances. And that's something that God has kind of gifted me um, with is to be able to see. I would not by any means say that I'm prophetic per se or that, I, that that's my strongest gift, but I am a visionary. I am one who sees the best in people, the best in circumstances is how God has made me. Sometimes, um, sometimes I can get myself in trouble that way. And so the Lord's also gifted me with discernment to help balance that out. But he wants us to get to a place where we see what he is doing and that we join him in that work. So we're going to talk about Ezekiel today. Oddly enough, I think that is actually pretty um, divine that his name is God strengthens. That's what it means. And friends, in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect. God wants to strengthen us even in our weakness. And though Ezekiel spoke to rebellious people, he never lost hope. He always had a longing for more. And so that's where we get our wanting more. In the next several weeks, we're going to dig into some other um, chapters in Ezekiel. But today, we're going to stay in Ezekiel 47. And this is the, the river from the temple. This is a prophetic word that is for our house. It's been spoken over our house before, over this house of worship here on South and Broadway, and it's going to be spoken again today, and I believe that God wants to do something. So let's read this together. It says, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. 
The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me through the north gate and led me from outside to the outer outer gate facing east and the water trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand But it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked asked me, son of man, do you see this? Friends, God has us on a journey and it is a process. Don't make light of small beginnings. And then the the scripture goes on. It says, then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Arabia where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore and there will be places of spreading nets. The fish will, will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kind will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So about eight years ago, a man of God named Ron Teal came to our body, and he gave a prophetic word from Ezekiel chapter um, 47. And when he began to share it, he, he talked about how the, the river came from the south of, of the temple and that the temple faced east. And he explained that's exactly how our, our, our body here, or our, our building here is positioned in the city, that we're on the south side and then we face the east and that God was going to use this chapter to bring life to our church. And uh, then he went on and he's talked about going, you know, going in the river and letting the Holy Spirit move us. And he talked about that God was going to um, do a work in our body like what happened here in this uh, prophetic chapter. That, that there was going to be trees that were going to bear good fruit, fruit for good food. And he said there is going to be a food ministry that is going to come from this place. Now, mind you, this was before Vision Kitchen started. Before hardly anyone, he did not know. He did not know Josh and I. He did not know our vision. He didn't know anything about this place. And when he spoke that, it was confirmation. And then he said there's going to be a great food ministry that's going to, that's going to come from this place. And he started prophesying into that. And then after he was prophesying into that, he looked. And Pastor Earl, it was right when we were just talking about bringing him on our pastoral team. I'm not even sure if at that point you were really going to our meetings. I mean, it was just like real fresh, right? Like right when he first got here. He was sitting back over, over here where, where Mark was, was sitting. And um, he looked at him and he said, listen, he said, you are going to be a great part of this food ministry that's going to come from this place. And Josh and I were like, whoa, you know, because when you get someone, you have someone come in and you don't know them, you're, you're, 
you kind of, you know, he was highly recommended from some friends we trust, but you're still kind of like, okay, let's, let's see what this guy has to say. And then we're like, wow. And then he went on and he, and he began to prophesy and he said, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations and that God was going to raise up a healing ministry here. And that God was going to raise up people to move in that. And we've seen some of that happen. We see Steve and some other people really step out and move in that area, but we know that God wants to do more. And so I'm thinking about this. God's putting Ezekiel 47 on my heart to preach from. Obviously, I won't ever forget that word because it was so powerful. So I'm like thinking about the prophetic word that was already spoken. I'm like, God, okay, we have this awesome food ministry, but there's so much more. I know that God doesn't want us to live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth, Lord, there has to be more than just feeding people. There has to be more than what we've seen. And again, I told you, I'm that person who's always looking for more. Like there's, there's more, God. I'm like, I, I love what you've done. I love where you brought me from. I love where I'm even at. I, I love the privilege and the honor that I have to do what I do, but God, there's got to be more. And so I'm wrestling kind of with this, and I've been wrestling with this my whole life. (laughs) Uh, My husband's always laughing at me about different things, but I've been wrestling with this. And then about two months ago, I believe it was like at Christmas time, and Pastor Dorinthia looked at Pastor Josh and I at a staff meeting, and she said, God has a deeper word that he's going to do in this upcoming year in your guys' hearts. He's going to give a deeper word for the people. And she was talking about, um, it's going to mature the body. It's going to be a deeper word. And, you know, when she spoke that, I'm like, first, I I got a little hesitant, like, what what do you mean deeper? You don't think we're preaching deep? (laughs) And then I had to rebuke the flesh and say, hear the word of the Lord. God wants to take us even deeper. And so I had to like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be obedient to what you're, you're speaking here? You know, and so stirring, stirring this up, God gave us, in the beginning of the year, we knew that we, there was a few things that we needed to talk about, and then God birthed that word identity, and I'm like, okay, God, where are we going to go from there? And so I'm kind of, you know, wrestling with this stuff, praying, asking the Lord, and then we went on vi- vacation, and then we um, got back off of the weekend awesome trip and went to a minister's retreat. And during that time, Pastor Steve uh, spoke here. I didn't listen to his word until uh, yesterday, actually. I, was, I, I finally listened to it online, and I felt like it was just confirmation. But what happened was Pastor Dawn told me about the service and told me the word the Lord gave her, and it was about going deeper in the Lord and ankles and knees and waist. And it was a prophetic word that the Lord gave her. And, I, and I'm like, that's exactly what the Lord has been stirring in my heart for us to go deeper. And so I asked the Lord, why is it that we haven't gone to the deep places that you want us to be? And today, I feel like this word is some of the answer to that. And so today I'm asking you, why are we not going deeper? What do we need to do to go deeper? What is it going to take for us to go to the next level? And so today, um, we're going to talk about going to the next level. We're going to talk about going deeper. Now, I want to uh, read from Matthew Henry's commentary on this chapter because I want us to make sure that we understand that this word, Ezekiel 47, he had a vision, okay? It was a prophetic vision, and it spoke to what was going on then. It was so prophetic. It saw all the way into the New Testament and it's speaking to what's going on in us today. So Matthew Henry is a, is a very good commentary. If you haven't, um, know what a commentary is or haven't gotten into them, Matthew Henry is free online. Um, you, you can look up a lot of his stuff online or you can buy it. We have some in our home, uh, good commentaries. He's very solid and, and, uh, 
his stuff is really, really good. And so he says this. He says, most interpreters agree that these waters signify the gospel of Christ, which went forth from Jerusalem and spread itself into the countries about, and the gifts and powers of the Holy Ghost which accompanied it, and by virtue of which it spread far and produced strange and blessed effects. I love how he reminds us that this is about the gospel of Jesus. It is about the good news of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit accompanies us to share the good news. The strange and blessed effects. Signs and wonders comes with the preaching of the good news when you're filled with the Spirit of God, which is what the river is all about. But that is not all. Christ is the temple. He is the door. From him, those living waters flow out of his pure side. It is the water that he gives us. It's the well of water which springs up. And then we remember in John chapter 4, when he was talking to the woman at the well, he says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then he gives this wisdom here, Matthew Henry does. It says, it is good for us to follow the waters and go along with them. Observe the progress of the gospel in the world. Observe the process of the work of grace in the heart. Attend the motions of the blessed spirit and walk after them under divine guidance as Ezekiel did here. And it's to our wisdom as the prophet here to begin with what which is easy and get our hearts washed with those things before we proceed to which is dark and hard to understand. It's good to take our work before us. Friends, it is a journey. It is a process. And we need to learn from every stage. Today's whole message is about becoming more of what the Lord God has intended for us to be. It's about leaving the shore of stagnant, disappointed living and going into the spiritual waters of what the true born-again life is to look like. It's about learning every lesson along the way it's to, so that we can go into the deep. And so today we're going to learn about going into the deep. Can we have four lessons in order to go deeper? Can you say go deeper? And so lesson number one is ankle deep. Say ankle deep. Ankle deep water represents when we first step out in faith. Ankle deep water is when we first confess Christ. It's when we first realize we need a savior. Ankle deep water is when we first confess we're a sinner and that we need him to come and wash us of our sin. It's when we experience For the first time, his love. And oftentimes it comes from a place of being so hot and so drained. You've been on that beach for so long and you're you're hot and you're tired and you need to just step into the waters just to cool off a little bit. Sometimes a lot of us get saved after a crisis. It's okay. God uses those things to draw us close to him. And so sometimes it comes from a place of being just so hot and so tired that we run to the living waters and and we just put our foot in just a little bit, and we we get into the ankle water. It represents salvation. However, ankle deep water is just the beginning, friends. It's just the beginning. If that's all God would have for us is salvation, then we would be raptured up right then and be with him in heaven. But he has more of a journey, a sanctification. Sanctification, being set apart and being holy is a process, 
that God does in us. If you stay in ankle deep water, friends, you will not grow. You will limit your faith. People who only stay in ankle deep water never learn to exercise their faith. They're babies in the Lord who constantly need a bottle. They never learn to take their swimmers off. Come on, mamas. You know what swimmers are when you get, when you, when you get the babies. We, we just went to a minister's retreats in Kalahari. It was in Sadusky in Kalahari, this, like, little awesome um, hotel that has all these water parks, and we're taking our kids in. And this, this, it's only been a couple years that I finally have been out of swimmers. Our, our oldest will be five, our youngest will be five soon. And it, we had, but we had a decade of diapers as, as parents, a decade, okay? So I know all about the swimmers. And I don't know how the moms before us, you know, you know, our, our parents, how they did it with the cloth diapers and everything else. It's just nasty. I don't even know how you even took the babies to the beach. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we get those swim, we're, 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 we, we, we act like we still have swimmers on, right? We still have diapers on. We don't even know how to change ourselves because we're only in the ankle deep water and we don't know how to go deeper and grow and mature in the Lord. And what happens is Friends, if you stay in ankle-deep water, the water eventually will get muddy. And sometimes it gets muddy from your own stuff that's coming out of those swimmers. Mm-hmm. We muddy our waters with sin and with compromise and worldliness. And what happens if, if you sit there and you're in muddy water, eventually you have to make a, a choice. You're going to go further into the deep or you're going to go back to the shore. And oftentimes, friends, is when we see people go back to the shore because it's a shorter distance and in their mind, it's easier. Jesus talks about this from the parable of the seed. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This is something that has always troubled me as a a person who pours my life into other people. It, It has always troubled me when I see people receive God and they get so excited about the things of God. But because they won't get stable, they won't let their roots go down deep. The, 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 oftentimes I've seen, I've seen too many people go back to the world, go back to the world, go back on the beach instead of going out into the deeper, friends. And I'm telling you, we've got to realize that that is what's going to happen eventually. You can't just stay in ankle-deep water forever. It's a good place to be when you need to be there. Don't despise small beginnings. A person who runs a, mi- a, a marathon runs a mile first. If you're going to be a great man or woman of God, you've got to start in the ankle waters, friends. But it's not a place to stay forever. We've got to trust the Lord to go deeper. So lesson two, knee-deep water. Can you say knee-deep waters? Knee-deep water is water that uh, is the water that we start to make a real commitment in. Knee-deep water is when we begin to trust in God, not just as our Savior, but our Lord. Oftentimes when we get to the knee-deep water, we take that stage, that step to be baptized even in our, our, our pool that we use to baptize people, it comes to about the, you know, to the knees. Knee deep water is in that place where you say, okay, he's not just Savior, he's Lord, he's Master. Knee deep also can refer to prayer. Our Christian walk begins to deepen during our prayer time with God. Knee deep water is when we begin to trust God, not just 
as Savior, friends, but as Lord, as the person we can trust, as master and, and person, we, you know, who we can pray to and go to when we really need him. Friends, but God doesn't want us to stay there forever. God wants us to pray, but he also wants us to obey. God wants us to get down on our knees, but there's a time that God also wants us to get up on our feet. He's never designed the Holy Spirit to just give us goosebumps and a church service. The Holy Spirit is to give us power to be a witness and to do his work in the world. There was a time when um, it was in the early parts of our church and, and there was a person who came to our door and they needed, they needed a ride somewhere. And frankly, I was tired and I didn't feel like giving them a ride anywhere. Do we ever just get like that sometimes? I said, for a doggone, I got to be a mom and set an example for my little kids. And, and uh, Shua was young at the time, and he, I, I, he, he was still at home, so he must have been at preschool or so. And he's like, come on, Mom. Let's, let's you know, give this person a ride. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't feel like it. I'm tired. And, and then I got irritated. I'm like, how do they even know where I live? Well, somehow they found out. Pastor, I, I guess Pastor Renee told him, at least that's what they told me. I'm like, oh, man, she knows better. You know, I think it was my day off, too, you know, was, uh, and I was just like, I'm tired, and, and it's our day off, and, and I don't know where Josh was, but I would have to do the work of, you know, taking this person where they need to go. And so I looked at Shua, I said, well, if you feel like we're supposed to do it, then you get your stuff together because you're coming, too. <laughs> And so I, I took this person to wherever they had to go, and they're taught, you know, I, I, you know, and I'm, you know, slapping my flesh around and saying, okay, I'm gonna, you know, be be the hands and feet of Jesus, take this person where they have to go. But I'm gonna tell you the truth, friends. I had a bad attitude. They might not have saw it, but inwardly, I knew I had a bad attitude the entire time. So I get back home, and I just felt convicted from the Lord about having such a bad attitude. I don't, I don't even know if I, sh- I don't think I even shared Christ with this person. I just took them where they had to go like I was a taxi cab. You know what I'm saying? Just dropped them off like my, my, my minivan said checkers on it or something. I just dropped them off like, there, I did it. You know what I mean? But didn't even share Christ. Didn't even have the love of God in me when I did it. And, and, and had my kid with me at that. So then I get back in and, and uh, uh, I get back ready to go to the, to the house. And I remember, oh, I got to get something at Walmart. You know, I got, and so I dropped off, um, uh, Shua, Josh must have been home by then, dropped off Shua, and I'm just like, about this, you know, and I think I told Josh I had a blah, 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 and, you know, had a bad attitude, and so I go to Walmart, the Lord's starting to convict me in the car, and I'm like, oh, what kind of Christian am I, what kind of menace, you know how it gets, right, I'm getting beat up, I'm getting convicted, I'm like, oh, man, that was terrible, what a bad attitude I had, and so then I get sincere, like, God, I'm sorry, I am so sorry, Lord, I said, God, if you give me another opportunity, I promise I'll do it with a good attitude, right? I open the door at Walmart. Foot, about like that, barely there. Walk out, and here comes homeless man Henry. He says, hey, and no one ever usually stops me. I must have, like, a face, like, don't mess with me. No one ever, like, he has a face, like, come ask me for money. We know some other people like that, too, huh, Heather? You know, but... You didn't catch that? You ain't listening. You should have laughed. That was funny. <laughs> but I got a face like, don't mess with me. Usually people don't bug me like when I'm by myself. Like I got the focus, like I'm going here for bread. Don't talk to me. I'm on a mission, right? Um, but 
I just prayed and repented for my attitude. So here, I don't know, man, he must have been tuned in with God. And he was like, okay, right over here. I'm going to send Henry over here. And so he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm doing this and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's cold and, and I need some. I'm like, come on, Henry, get it on in the car. Normally, boy, I'm above reproach. I don't have no man in my car unless it's my, my husband, my dad, or one of my boys, okay? And back then they were really boys. So <laughs> actually, back then it was like Joshua. And, and, but I thought the Lord said, do it. So I'm like, come on, Henry, get in the car. I'm taking you to McDonald's and I'm talking to him and, and, and sharing things with them and, and sharing the love of Jesus and, and bought him coffee and prayed with them and I felt so I don't know that man maybe never will remember me but I will never forget that because God said there's a time to pray and there's a time to obey friends there's a time to pray and there's a time to obey friends it starts in our prayer time I mean usually I it, my prayers don't always get answered that quick right but God wants us to pray and he wants us to obey. That's how we get into the deeper parts. And so sometimes you might be just at that knee level. It's a time to pray. It's a time to seek the Lord's face. We were at that level for a long time. There's a, a book that's in my heart that I'm going to write one day called Proudy Street Chronicles. I don't have time to share all of it, but you heard me say some things before about some of the awesome experiences we've had right on Proudy Street. Pastor Josh breaking up um, neighborhood fights with blowing up the shofar or just him and uh, Pastor Steve walking out and they say, here comes the popo, you know, slang for police, but really, truly meaning the Holy Ghost that they're running from, those demons we're running from. And that we've seen things after things after things. And when we first started the church, I was real frustrated one day about our flower bed being just disgustingly needed some help. And I do not have a green thumb, okay? So I'm like, oh, we need someone in this church that can help. And I go home, and I'm complaining to my husband about it. And he's, he looks like he just got done praying. His face, you know, was, he has a prayer face. My mom just took a picture of my son, Justice, and sent it to me praying. I said, I sent it to uh, Josh, I said, whose face does he have? He's got your prayer face at four years old. But so <laughs> he's got that face on and I'm coming home trying to complain about flowers. He's like thinking about things above flowers, heavenly things. I'm thinking about earthly things, flowers. And he says, you care more about the flowers than you do about the souls in this neighborhood going to hell. Ouch. Talk about harsh. Back the bus up. My goodness. I mean, wow. And so third generation Southside myself, I buck up like, no, I don't. He's like, yes, you do. Because if you cared more about the souls, you would go down there and share Jesus with this person who just got into a fight and all this craziness. That was just, I'm like, fine, I will. He's like, okay, prove it. I'm like, I will. And then I'm scared to death now. I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I just put myself into this. And I had this thought go through my head. I just watched the end of the Spears. I just saw the documentary about the Elizabeth, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. And, and they went into, you know, uh, the South America somewhere into a tribe. And they, the husbands got speared with a spear. For, they were martyred for Christ. And yet the wives loved these people so much. Instead of being bitter, they went back into the village. And they took their children with them. They took their daughter with them. And the, the natives there didn't kill the woman and child, instead, they received Christ, and the whole village got saved. So I thought, if I bring, I can't remember how old she was, like three years old probably. If I bring my three or four-year-old, however old he was, with me, maybe these women won't beat me up <laughs> in front of my baby. I ain't lying. That's what I thought. Because, you know, we're moms still. You know, I'm like, maybe they won't beat me up. 
And so I'm like, come on, Shua, we're going to go share Jesus. And I grab him by the hand, and I start walking down the street, repenting, like, God, forgive me for my bad attitude. God, forgive me for acting smart to my husband, Lord. God, forgive me for caring about the flowers, Lord. Please don't let me get beat up, Jesus, and, and give me the words that you want me to say. Okay, it's only a block. So I'm like, I'm praying hard. And I got Shua. And I don't know what he, this little baby was thinking as he's looking up at his mom. And then I just start speaking in tongues. Oh, Lord, Shunday, Monday, you know, Shunday today. Okay, I get down to the house. The woman, I can't see her. Instead, there's her two daughters outside. And I say, I have a message. You got a message from the Lord. It gets worse, y'all. I said, to the woman of the house. <laughs> Talk about as white girl as you can get, right? To the woman of the house. What is that? And they're like, okay, I'm a go get my mom. <laughs> so they went and got their mom, brought her outside. And she's like, you know, well, you got a message from the Lord. Come up on the porch. So I came up on the porch, grabbing Justice, or not Justice, what's his name? Shua, the oldest. Grabbing him with me. <laughs> you see my baby? <laughs> I closed my eyes, opened my mouth, and I, I honestly don't even know what I said. I, I can remember parts, but I opened my eyes or, and just start speaking whatever the Lord put in my, in my heart to speak. And by the time I opened my eyes, the, the lady, the, the woman was crying. She called her daughters up. She called the neighbors, made me say it again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, what I even said. But God moved. We ended up circling up and praying right then. God moved powerfully. But, friends, the, what part I'm not telling you is that it took about three years of me really praying for this family before God ever opened that door for me through a deer or for my husband to go share it. I prayed for three years because when we were youth pastors, we had some problems um, in the neighborhood when Pastor Josh broke up a fight and the neighbors got mad that he broke up a fight and then they man start punching him in the face in front of our youth ministry. And they were, it was just, it was, so I was kind of scared. I didn't want to just go down there. You see what I'm saying? I had to be led by the spirit, but it starts in prayer. And I know I've shared that story over and over, but it's something I would never forget. And obviously you guys won't either because I'm probably going to share it at least once every other month or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's something to remind us that God wants to go with us into the deep places. If you want a deeper word, friends, the deeper word is this. Be obedient to what God is calling you to do. That is the deeper word, and it starts at the knees in prayer. And if we want to go deeper, it takes us to the next place. You see that even in the book of Acts, it started in the knees, it started in prayer. They were in the, God, Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come on them, to be witnesses. They were in the upper room, and they were praying, 120 of them, filled with the Holy Ghost. But then what happened? From their prayers, there had to be obedience. Right away, Peter spoke, and 3,000 were saved. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we want to be so spiritual, we want to be so prayed up, but we don't know how to pray out. I don't want to just be prayed up. I want to pray out where I'm going. Praying up is, oh, I need to be so prayed up. And we're in the church house and we're just prayed up. But yet there's lost people all around us. We need to take that prayers out. Do you see what I'm saying? So God wants us to go out into the deep. And the next level then is the waste. The waste deep waters is when we begin to trust God more. We're not yet swimmers, expert swimmers of the river of God. But we learn to flow a little bit more. We're no longer babies. Friends, I believe there's a lot of people in this body that are at waist level waters. You've already taken the swimmers off. You got rid of the floaties. You're at waist level. It's time to learn to swim. At this point, the water is slowly, 
us down enough to realize that we need God to go any further. We can look out and see how great the Spirit of God is and how much he wants us to go and how much he wants us to do, and we know that we can't do it on our own. It's at this point that we have to make a decision. Are we going to go in all the way? Are we going to go back to the shore? See, wasted waters could represent still being only halfway in, still only being, uh, still only not being completely dedicated, completely surrendered. Race deep waters could represent being lukewarm. How many people do we know that have one foot in the church and one foot still in the world? Lukewarm. When the book of Revelation says in chapter 3, 16, because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be on fire. He wants us to be sold out completely. It's at the waist deep waters that Christians must decide, are we going all the way? Because the further we go, the more we will grow. But unfortunately, friends, the, re- the reality of it is this. There's too much compromise in the church. There's too much uh, lukewarm living in the church. There's too, much of, uh, cr- too many Christians saying, I believe in God, but I'm not, I'm not going all the way. I believe in God. I've accepted him even as Savior and Lord. A matter of fact, I come to church every week. I hear a good message. I am, I'm, I'm growing in, in my Bible knowledge of the Lord. I've even memorized scriptures. I serve in the nursery. And yet, I'm not taking my gifts outside of a, of a house of worship, a building of 1630 Broadway. And so, therefore, I'm not really growing like I need to. I call it... The, the, the next slide there, wanting more, but we're a born-again Christian. Not a born-again Christian, but a born-again Christian. Because we're on set in church. Some of y'all here for a second service. Oh, she ain't doing it as good as she did the first service. I'm bored again. And about how you feel? <laughs> you won't be bored again if you obey what you already know to do. Another thing that I call it is Christian obesity. We come into church and we come into all the different messages. Sometimes we even listen to, the, to all the good sermons online. We got all the bumper stickers on our, on our car. We have all the new books and we're, we're getting ourselves equipped and we're just growing, growing, growing in the, the Lord. We've got so big in the Lord of all of our knowledge that we got to undo our, our pants because we don't got room. Because we never exercise our faith. God doesn't want us just to learn stuff and never do anything with it. He wants us to learn stuff in his word. He wants us to go to the deeper places so that we can take it out to others. But we're here at the wastewater saying, am I going to do this? Am I going to fully commit? I was at the wastewaters at, at 19 years old. And I said, man, I'm sick of this stuff. Only at 19, God, I was like, I've been lukewarm living, led some people to the Lord at Libby High School when I was there, and, and yet still going back and forth. I was, I was on this thing called missionary dating. Boy, every, every dude I ever dated, man, they had to get saved. I even got some of them baptized, y'all. But it, <laughs> it wasn't the right thing, I'm telling you. I wasn't focused on God. And so the Lord called me. He said, he said I, I, I want you to dedicate a summer to me. I said, a summer, Lord? What do you mean by that? He said, no dating for a summer. 19 years old in my sophomore year or freshman year in college, working on campus, mind you. It was rough. God, there was temptations. And I was 
shallow back then, cars and flowers and whatnot, and I, I had to resist. And the Lord said, I want you to give me a summer. I said, okay, I'm going to give you the summer. By the end of the summer, he said, would you give me a year? I said, whew, a year, Lord, no dating? He said, a year. I want to be the lover of your soul. I gave him that year, friends. From that, I, heard, I received the calling of God in my life, went away to a Bible school that said, you can't date for the first year of this school. Sign my name on the dotted line. I'm telling you what. I said, I'm ready to go all the way in. At the end of that Bible school, first year, there was a man of God that came, and this was a very large church. He prophesied over different people. He got to me. He prophesied something. He walked down, was praying and prophesying over someone else. He said, hold up. I'm not done. He looked at me straight in the face. He said, you have already met your husband. And you are going to get married soon, and you're going to do a great work of God together. Boy, I went through every single dude in Bible school with me. Is it this one? 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 I never once thought Pastor Joshua was at home interning in Toledo or getting, getting wrecked by God and, and all this stuff. So I came back, forgot about that word. You know, I put that up on the shelf, you know. And I said, I'm still not dating. I'm putting that up on the shelf until I got to the point. I said, I ain't going to date another man unless God tells me it's my husband. Put it up on the shelf. Said, okay, that's a true prophetic word. And I'll meet my husband. I don't got to go run and searching for him. God will bring him into my life. Put it up on the shelf. Went back. Came here. Interned underneath Pastor Keith. Here comes this skinny dude interning with me. Fan him up real good. Yep. We, we, we were just friends all the way into the end of the internship and then kids camp. And these raccoons was coming out every single night and we had tents. So somebody had to stay up and make sure the raccoons wouldn't get them. Well, when I stayed up, it felt like I was snow white. Every single raccoon in the, and their mama came out. It freaked me out. Third generation South Side myself. They're just like bigger rats, right? I'm like, I'm good. I don't want no raccoons. So I had to wake up Pastor Josh and Pastor Steve. So they could protect me from the rats and raccoons and skunks and stuff. Well, Pastor Steve went on back to bed, and we were just talking and laughing. And then all of a sudden, there's a wrestling match. We call it love at first slam. Josh says, God needed a man that can slam me down to the ground every once in a while. So, <laughs> oh, man. And the rest is history, friends. I have no idea why I'm telling this story. What am I even talking about? <laughs> to serve Jesus. We need to sell out. You never know what God's going to bring them out of the way. <laughs> you never know what God is going to do. Lesson, the next lesson, lesson, what is it? Lesson, lesson four. Swimming lessons, friends. Swimming lessons. Now I've had, I have four kids and now finally all four of them know how to swim which is a miracle because none of them learned how to swim until six, until this last one, just as he's like a little fish. He's learned how to swim. It actually happened the very last day of summer last year, which is what? Labor Day. We was out there in the, in the waters, and this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he knows how to swim now. He's like doggy paddling and, and stuff and floating. So we put him in some lessons, and now the boy can float and, and swim. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing, friends. The thing what I'm trying to say here is that, when we go into the deep, we need to learn how to swim. Sometimes it starts with learning how to float and let the Holy Spirit move us and flow us. You know, the old saints used to call it, they used to call it flowing with the Spirit. Moving with the Spirit, flowing with the Spirit. We need to learn to get there again. See, when we feel we're over our head, we need to remember it's at that 
place that we have entered into the deepest place and we must totally depend on God. Ezekiel got to a place where he said, I can't even, the water's so deep I can't even get across the river. We need to depend totally on God. It's in the deep waters that we start moving in the spirit. It's in the deep waters that we become obedient to the spirit of God and we become obedient to the gifts of God that he gives us and we actually use it. It's in the deep waters that through Christ we learn how to rescue others who are drowning. It's in the deep waters that we decrease and God increases. It's in the deep waters that we begin to see the fruit on the other side. But only if we have eyes to see, friends, because God took Ezekiel to the ankles, to the knees, to the waist, and then into the deep. And then after he took him to the deep, he took him out and he said, do you have eyes to see? He said, son of man, do you see this? And the NLT, it says, have you been watching, son of man? And the message says, son of man, have you had a good look? Friends, I want to encourage you today. Have you taken a good look? Because it's compromise and this lukewarm living is going to make you a born-again Christian. But God doesn't want you to be a born-again Christian. He wants you to be a born-again Christian that's on an adventure for Jesus. And when you take a good look, you realize that true spirit living is the best way of life. You're going to start to see the trees that are along the river. You're going to start to see the fruit that's good for eating. And you're going to see the leaves that are good for healing. That God has called us to partake of these things. Friends, it reminds me of the river that was in the Garden of Eden, friends. It reminds me of the river that's in the last book of the Bible, friends. It's the river that Jesus is talking about that wells up in every single spirit-filled believer. It makes even dead things come back alive. See, it was, it was in Ezekiel 47 that it said the Dead Sea, which is the saltiest, one of the saltiest seas in all of the world. So salty that nothing, no fish can live in it, friends. And yet God said through his word that there was going to be all kind of fish and creatures that will come again and live in the Dead Sea. The Bible says the Dead Sea will one day come alive and be filled with marine life. Friends, the things that are dead, God wants us to call things that are not as though they are. And we can only do that when we go into the deep. Through the power of God that lives in us, when we're obedient to the moving of the spirit, dead things become alive again. God is looking for us to go deeper, and he's always asked his disciples to go deeper. In Luke chapter 5, he says this to Peter. He says, he got onto one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he had Simon put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything but because you say so i will let down the nets and when he had done so he had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break friends god is asking some of us will we go a little bit deeper will we go a little bit deeper because if you just go just a little bit deeper that's when you're going to receive your harvest that's when you're going to receive your breakthrough like the breaking of the nets that's when you're going to receive the fruit of God that he has for you see God has called us here at vision ministries to be a hospital to the sick the Lord has shown me that and I've wrestled with it because I'm like God but we only have sick people and we need to deal with some healthy people we're supposed to mature we're supposed to go deeper how can we do this and the Lord is showing me that yes you're a hospital for the sick and I'm like but God 
how can we do how can we do this better i'm like we need we need a medical college we need to train up nurses and doctors you're the great physician but god we need to be trained by you to be able to to, to help people god can we get a can we get a gym up in here so people can exercise and not just get healthy and get big and then lazy god help us out show us what to do and he's saying okay but you gotta go deeper the people gotta be willing to say i'm gonna go deeper i'm gonna go further i'm gonna trust god we got to get there, friends. We got to get rid of the compromise in our lives. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? My question for you today is, are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to jump in? God wants us to trust him. It's when we're in over our head that we have to say, God, I can't do it by myself, but I trust you to do the good work. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Would you focus on the Lord? I believe, like, like I said, and I didn't say this first service, but in this service, I believe there's a lot of people in here that are at that waste water. You're at your waist. The waters have come up to, as the, the King James says, your loins. You're right there at your waste water. You're halfway in, and you're at the decision point. Are you going to sell out? Are you going to give him everything? Like, not just Sunday mornings. Not just Wednesday nights, but I mean Everything, every day of the week, your marriage, your finances, your children, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, everything, your job, everything you have, everything you own, it's not yours, it's his. Are you willing to sell out? Are you willing to go on an adventure? Because friends, when you do that, you will not be a bored again Christian. You will be a born again Christian. You will be one who is so filled with the spirit of God that it's going to be an adventure every day serving him. If that's you and you're in this place today and you know that you need to make that decision to sell out, there's been compromise in your, your life. You've been complacent. You've been, you've been bored. Would you raise your hand before the Lord and say, God, I want to be born again, not bored again. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you, would you come on up to the front here? If you raised your hand or you know that's you, you know you've been dealing with some compromise, come on up to the front. God wants to... He wants to put a fire in you. I want to say this 